0: Hi, everybody. Let's see if everything's going well. It should be. Yes, indeed. Hi, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. This is uh, episode 19 of the Luke Thomas live chat series. Thingamajigs, whatever it is you want to call this. Uh, We'll go for about an hour and a half, maybe a little bit less today. I look like a bag of... Uh, trash today, but I'm getting a haircut in a couple of days. You don't care about that. Um, I'm from Showtime. I host the show Morning Combat as well as Morning Combat Dissected, as well as some of their prelim boxing shows. I'm the host of the Luke Thomas show on SiriusXM channel 156. So we took all your questions yesterday. We're going to get to them today. And uh, without further ado, let's get things started, shall we? And we're back. Hi, everybody. Hope you're doing well. I just came from the gym, so I look like trash, but what else is new? I mean, y'all know that. You don't watch because it's fun to look at. I've um, got my protein shake. Mm. Did some overhead pressing today. One of my favorite exercises. Now, you're going to ask about the mic... Uh, Windscreen. I have ordered two of them from Full Compass. I ordered them on Sunday. (laughs) They're still not here today. They were supposed to be here yesterday. They didn't get here on time. They've been delayed. I'm told they're going to be here today, but it does me no good because here it is looking like shit. So this will hopefully be the last one where they look like garbage. But um, today is a day they're going to look like garbage. Lots of things looking like garbage on the screen. Okay. I appreciate everyone who put in their questions. Let me pull them up now if I can. And we will get to them. Um, as always, If you, folks always ask, how, how can I get a question in? Very simply, on Thursdays around noon on the community tab on my YouTube page, so youtube.com slash Luke Thomas, there's a community tab. And on there, I always post a live thread for questions. Um, so just be ready then. And uh, you know, if people like your question, they give it a thumbs up. If you like someone's question, you should give it a thumbs up. And then we can get to it. All right. So as always, give the video a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and tell a friend about us, shall you? Yes, you shall. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody. I hope you're doing well. Hope you got some plans. If you're single, get hammered. That's why I always used to do. So, um, yeah. All right. Oh, and by the way, sort of programming note. That's gross to look at. By the way, programming note um, today at. 3:30 3:30 p.m. I have the Dim Mock teacher, the Book of Enoch reader, O Drama, Vin Laden, Vintendo 64, Big Louie Dogs, Box Cutter Pazzy. I have the frontman for AOTP and Jedi Mind Tricks, as well as you know he has done some work with uh, Ill Bill and Tragedy Gaddafi. Vidi Paz will be on the show today at 3:30. His new album, uh, As Above, So Below, is out today. Um, I've been listening to it. It is like everything he does, excellent. And uh, we'll talk to him about that, plus some boxing headlines, he's a big boxing fan. Then at four, Hatebreed has a new single out called When the Blade Drops, because they have a new album coming out, and I think they're going to announce some tour dates pretty soon, so Jamie Josta will be on the show at four. Uh, I will for sure put the Vinny uh, Paz interview, because uh, I've, I've done some interviews with uh, Jamie Josta um, on this channel, you can look him up, so I've never done with Vinny Paz, so that's new, so I'll probably put that one up on YouTube, but I suspect all of that will go on the um, podcast. If you want a link for the podcast, which is free, best of every day. By the way, no one else in MMA has a daily radio show, daily podcast. In all the other you know industries, so Mina Kimes is doing a daily podcast on ESPN. Yeah, I do one too. And I'm the only one who does one. And, uh, and you can get it for free if you don't want to pay for SiriusXM. Uh, the link is in the description box below. Luke Thomas Show on uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, all kinds of stuff, yeah? Okay. There you go. So that should be fun today. I'm very much looking forward to talking to Odrama Vin Laden. All right. Let's get to your question, shall we? Luke, what is your worst Valentine's Day story? There must have been a year where try hard teenage Luke went completely over the top playing Pantera outside of a girl's window or something. Um I don't think I have any bad. I don't I don't think I have any bad Valentine stories. There's been a couple of years, I remember one year I was single, and I was like, uh, in my you know early to mid-twenties, and I was like, you know, what am I going to do tonight? I don't want to, you know, because you don't want to go out to the bars, because that's, I mean, it, there's just no way to do Valentine's as a single, straight dude. Cool. <laughs> it's just not possible. I mean, you can do things better than others, you know, going out there and crying in a bar because you got left is not a great look, but... There's really no cool way to do it that I'm aware of, unless you go out and you take someone's girlfriend by being, you know, completely on top of your game or something. I don't know. Even then, that's kind of shitty, right? So I would say I don't have any bad Valentine stories. There was, again, I mentioned there was one time I was single, and I remember going to a liquor store in this like podunk town in the middle of Maryland. I was on some work trip, and uh, (laughs) I remember there were these two. you know, mouth breathers, well, one, really, it was two connected, but they weren't shopping together, but this one was a lady, and uh, she was on the phone, she's like, yeah, it's Valentine's Day, it's Valentine's Day, on the phone, like, yelling, like, as if nobody knew, and then she's like, I'm at the wine store, trust me, it was not a wine store, it was a liquor store, okay, I mean, you know, they might have had wine there, but it wasn't, you know, it's the kind of wine you just cook with, it wasn't, it wasn't a wine store. And uh, I'll never forget, she's like, what kind of wine... On the the phone, what kind of wine you want? And then, clearly, the person on the other end must have been like, you know, I'm not sure what you're asking me. And she goes, I said, what kind of flavor wine (laughs) do you want? I have never heard wine described in terms of that. Like, hey, what kind of flavor do you want? Um... I don't know, something a little less tannic, uh, you know, <laughs> with notes of tobacco, I don't know what that's a flavor exactly, but, okay. I think she bought one of buying Mad Dog 2020, by the way, which, by the way, I'm not even mad at her for, I think I bought like a 40 or something, I wasn't out there like, you know, I was in the same store, I'm not, I'm not better than her, I just never heard wine described as uh, that. I've, had a, I, I, I've never had a bad Valentine's, I have had a couple of bad dates. Uh, yeah, I've had some bad dates. Um, I had one, it was a blind date, someone had set us up and, uh, to this day, I don't know if she was trying to sabotage because within like two minutes of just us meeting for drinks, she like won't stop talking about her cats. And I thought about, you know, peeling out and hitting her with the Irish goodbye but uh, I didn't. I wasn't that bad. But, you know, after the first drink, I was like, well, it's been nice meeting you. And she's like, you don't want another? I'm like, nope. And so I dipped out of there. And there was another time I picked this girl up. This was in, I was 22. I think I was in college at the time. It's like, you know, and trust me, I've had some great dates too, man. I've had some, you know, I've had some epic runs. We've all had, you know, great moments. But, you know, the low moments are not that great either. Um, I remember one time I picked this girl up. And uh, this was our second date. I thought the first date had gone well. For crying out loud, she said yes to a second date. We get in the car, and she's like, uh, "Hey, can we be back in an hour?" And I'm like, "We were going to drive to like a place that we both knew was like 20 minutes away for dinner." And I'm like, "I had you know, remember remember that moment in Kill Bill where like you know, like the finally she's about to go and kill all her nemesis, and like the alarm sound is happening." That's what was going off in the back of my head. I was like, do I call it off now? You know? Do I... Is this where I just say cut my losses? But I was like, you know what? I'm a negative guy. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to see how this goes. Maybe she has a good reason. Maybe things change. You know, don't be a dick. All right, let's see how this goes. And then, uh, you know, the whole time she's checking her watch. And then after 30 minutes, you know, she's like asking me if I'm done. I'm like, okay, fuck this. So... I just picked her up I was just like check please I even I don't I don't think I was even half done with my food, and I was just scraping that shit in there and then we just you know dipped out I mean i I don't have anything like too terrible other than that, but yeah, that was a bad one so uh turns out she aged quite poorly. she got all ugly after college, so I took I took great pride in that then again, I look like I've been hit in the face with a shovel, so what can I say all right. What's to do with Valentina getting a six-month medical suspension? Um, well, first of all, it's Texas. Never underestimate their inability to uh, engage in proper forms of regulation. Number two, it's probably precautionary because while she didn't take any damage, um, she could have tweaked something or just as a matter of someone getting ready for a five-round fight, Or something like that. They can just be like, you know what, here's six months. But remember, it's not a real six month. What they do is they put six months on there. And if you do absolutely nothing to challenge it, then uh, they'll let it just rock. But if you go to the doctor, you know, a week or two after or however soon, and you get a clean bill of health, they immediately wipe away the suspension. So... It's not a my hunch. I, I'd have to go and look at it in greater detail. But these are pretty common. You'll see people get these like lengthy medical suspensions. And I know what you're saying. Usually, that's much more common in scenarios where they absorbed a lot of damage. She did not take hardly any. Fair. My hunch is that if she goes and gets a medical checkup, just a routine checkup at this point, um, just to see how she's doing. You know, gets her blood pressure taken. Does you know oral? Uh, or excuse me, not oral exam, but a um, uh, uh, an eye exam take some blood, do some blood work. I bet you she's cleared immediately. I wouldn't I wouldn't put I wouldn't put too much thought into it. All right, next. Uh true or false? Khabib retires without fighting Gaethje. Khabib retires without fighting Gaethje. Oh, I hope that's false, but you never know, man. Um I'll say true. I don't know. I could be I hope I hope to God I'm wrong about that. Uh, BT Sports UFC YouTube content greater than ESPN's UFC YouTube content. Well, I don't watch ESPN's UFC YouTube content, so I couldn't tell you. Uh, well, not much of it, anyway. Um, i watch some. Uh, I'll say this. BT Sports promos are the best in the sport. They absolutely crush it. That one they did for uh, Darren Till for Liverpool, UFC Liverpool, was just next level. But, you know, that piece that they had done on Israel Adesanya before the... Was it before the Whitaker fight? Something like that. That was really good that ESPN had done. Really, really good. Um, But, you know, I try not to watch... I don't want to say this is true all the way around, because it's not. But I'm a little bit... Like, I don't seek out... Like, okay. I'll watch just about anybody's content. But I don't seek out ESPNs because... Uh, I tend to believe that they, you know, in large part, do the promoters' bidding. So, like, if Brett Okamoto sits down with uh, Dana White, I check those out. The occasional interview from Ariel Show, I'll check out. Um, um, you know, sometimes they do those promos, like the Israel Adesanya one they did. I, th- I thought that was just next level. But other than that, you know, it, it, they're kind of doing the promoters' bidding. So I'm, I don't know, it's not for me. We, uh, so, I'll say true insofar as promos are concerned. Alright, will we see Zabit challenge for the featherweight title this year, 2020? I'll say true. Uh, Valentine's Day is good for nothing other than torching your wallet if you're above the age of 21. I'll say false because it's also a good excuse to get torn up with some booze. I mean, you don't really need one if you're like me, <laughs> but if you need one... It's not a bad one. What are they calling it now? Galentine's Day? Something like that where all the women go out? Some kind of thing like that? I thought isn't that supposed to be like a the big to-do? Um So, you know, people get to go out and just get and, and today today's a Friday. Oh, did the thing just come during the show? I think my uh No, it's not it's not here yet. Unbelievable, dude. Full compass. I'll never use them again. They're terrible. Um, So no, like people go, it's a good, and it's a Friday night. It's a good excuse to party, I'd say. You know, not not like epic partying, but having a good time. Uh, All right, next. Hey, Luke, Rogan mentioned you briefly again during his Rashad Evans podcast. I know you said Rogan owes you nothing, but as a fan of you both, it would be great to see you both sit down and chat MMA. With all the controversy surrounding judging an MMA at the moment, would love to hear you both debate, discuss it, among other things. I also think it would be a great platform for more casuals to be exposed to you because I hate seeing people give you undeserved hate on Twitter. Ooh. Uh, could help much like the Food Truck Diaries episode did. Well, that was a Java Boys episode I did with Brendan Schaub, not Food Truck Diaries. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's amazing. The, the I mean... Here's the thing that my critics on Twitter don't seem to realize. They are not worthy adversaries. They think they are, but they're just not. Um, Which isn't to say that I'm free from criticism or blame or, you know, everything is hunky-dory, far from it, but that they're not the best uh, or even remotely properly situated to do it. Um, There's always a saying. It's like, uh, you know, it's not what you say. It's how you make people feel. Right? So you can say something you think is innocuous, but if people take it a certain way, then uh, it doesn't really matter what, you're, what you intended your message to be, how it's received is really the issue. I have noticed that I make losers feel really bad about themselves, um, and that's mostly what you see reflected on Twitter, is that people who are generally happy or otherwise successful or reasonable and rational adults... They tend to either not care about what I have to say, or maybe they might agree, or mild disagreement, but they don't lose their mind. The people who lose their minds, you look them up, they're like, to a man, they're all just unbelievable underachievers in life, and I make them feel very bad about themselves. Uh, so they lash out. Now, as to the question itself, Rogan mentioned you briefly during his podcast, I know he owes you nothing as a fan. Well, I have some news for everybody. I wasn't going to say anything, but... Uh, Here we are. So, I don't know what happened. Remember last time I was like, oh, it was nice to get a shout out in the Lovato episode. But, you know, in my experience, Joe owes me nothing. But in my experience, people say nice things and it doesn't ever amount to anything else. Not that I was saying that Joe had to be the one to, you know, to fix that. But it was just that was just my experience. So, like, if that's all that it was, you know, I was cool with it. I was happy for it. You got to take it and move on. You just can't wait around for that to materialize into something else. Well, Um, sometimes my own cynicism and and skepticism of other people's motives gets in the way of good judgment. Rogan and I have talked, uh, well texted, he called me, I was on the air, I couldn't answer, but we've been texting, um, for about a week now. I think you will see me on his podcast at, uh, well, I'm not sure when, um, because I don't think he does them live anymore. I think he records them, but we are set to speak, uh, later next month. So I don't know when that will come out maybe right around that time. Um, but, uh, yeah, isn't that funny? Sometimes things happen out of nowhere like that, huh? So, so yeah. So Joe and I are going to sit down and chat in, uh, in his studios in LA. Uh, I'm appreciative of him, um, extending the offer. A little nervous to be honest with you, but, um, should be fun. Should be really, actually should be really fun. I'm actually, I'm much more excited than I am nervous. I am, uh, I'm actually pretty pretty excited about it. So I don't know when that will come out uh, once I have a date. That's a little bit more firm. We'll share that, but um, your wish is uh, your wish has come true, I guess. I don't know how else to say it. Uh, yeah, Joe and I are gonna chat. So it should be a lot of fun. Um, all right, do you agree with John Kavanaugh and Joe Rogan that if the fight would have continued, Jones would be victorious? or do you, like me, think it's largely irrelevant, and I wrote that it was super irrelevant. Now, uh, John has blocked me on Twitter, which again, is is right. I'm actually frankly glad he did. Uh, and I was looking up where Joe said it. So I don't know if he said it anywhere else, but the one place that I did see him talk about it was on the Rashad Evans podcast. In fairness to Joe, because I think the full context here kind of matters, he notes when he makes that argument um, that the later round should count more or that... You know, if you were judging it by like schoolyard standard, who gets pulled off of who when the teacher arrives? That's the person that wins. The person on bottom, right, so to speak, the one's doing the. In other words, the person who's doing the ass kicking latest. That's the one who is your uh, winner. Joe notes when he's making those points that it's kind of a broy silly way to do it. I think there's a part of him, and I think it's part of all of us, honestly, where like, you know that kind of thing speaks to us intuitively about winning and losing. But no, I don't agree. Uh, If we're actually really making a case about how the sport should be governed, no, I don't agree with that even a little bit. Um, I'll tell you why. So what was the lead-in? What was the lead-in for UFC's 247 prelims? You may recall, I think it part and helped make the uh, prelims uh, for UFC 247 do some pretty good numbers. It was Duke UNC basketball. Uh, if you are European or you don't watch other sports here in this country, the best way to explain that is that is probably the number one rivalry in Division One basketball. Now, di- now Division One basketball doesn't mean what it used to. Now that people like Zion Williamson and, and can go to college for a year and then split. Uh, when I was a kid, you know, everyone went to school for four years or at least three years and then went on to the pros. That doesn't really happen now unless you're a scrub um so it's not the rivalry that it once was but for sure it's still the biggest rivalry in college basketball I cannot think of what would be bigger than that one there are some other big ones but that is that's that's your king right there um and if you noticed the reason it went to overtime is because Duke hit a buzzer beater right when time expired then they go to overtime and they hit another buzzer beater to win the game now the question is which points counted more, the basket that they shot at the end of each of those periods or the baskets that were scored at the beginning of the first half and then the second half? And the answer is they all count the same. What I think they might be pointing to, which I would agree with if this is what they really mean, if what they're pointing to is there is something about turning it on late, in athletic competitions, when 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 you, when your back is against the wall and you step on the gas like what Adesanya did in the fifth round against Kelvin Gastelum, or what Duke did to send it to overtime and then to win in overtime with another buzzer beater, like if, especially if you're losing and then to come back and then and then uh, stick it on somebody late, dude, it shows a lot of character. It shows a lot of athletic character. To step on the gas pedal when you're tired, when you're hurt, when you might be frustrated, when you might be down on the scorecards, down on the shot clock, down on the on the points. It shows a lot of athletic character, more so than just being a strong starter, to which I would agree with. If that's what they mean, I don't know how you could disagree with that. That is one of the most fearsome, incredible, you know, awe inspiring things in all of sports is is when that when 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 the chips are down and it's gut check time how do you respond yes of course that is incredible but here's the problem the rounds the rounds should not count more because if you consecrated it that way you would ultimately change the like think about it this way if you consecrated the rules that way people would change their behavior in accordance with that, where it would be like Thai boxing, where in Thai boxing they don't really get going until the third round, sometimes maybe late second, because um, they're trying to induce betting, right? And so a lot of Thai boxing, this is not universally true, but a lot of it is, you know, first and second round, they just kind of feeling each other out forever and ever by the third round, and they're kicking it into high gear, and it's done for a specific purpose. If you made the later rounds count more, people would just change their strategies to accommodate that. This is my point about Dominic Reyes, he fought the way he fought, whether you scored it for him or you didn't score it for him. He fought the way he fought in accordance with the incentives set in front of him. If they had told him rounds four and five count more, he probably would have dramatically changed the way in which he competed. So so no, I don't think there's any real rational basis by which you can say the fourth and fifth rounds, the frames themselves should count more. If you want to ascribe greater athletic meaning and significance to the ability to rally, to stick it on somebody, to show, to show character at really difficult, hard times in an athletic competition when the clock is winding down. No questions asked. That is absolutely more impressive than being a strong starter, in my opinion. Being a strong finisher, I won't say every time, but most times is going to be more impressive to me than being a strong starter. But in terms of like we should judge a fight that way, that's a f- very terrible idea. You should not take that seriously at all. Uh, if you did that, imagine people changing the way they fought to to uh, give weight to the fourth and fifth rounds. Do you know how terrible the first three rounds would be, and how bored as shit you would be? No, man. It has to every moment of that round has to count just as much as the next one, but. Give a salute to the person who's like, I'm tired and I'm hurt and I don't want to go on, but God damn it, I want it more than you, and I'm gonna go out here and I'm gonna put it on you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, that matters more. But as a rule idea or like what how we should judge rounds, it is a very amateurish idea. And it's not well thought out. And again, in fairness to Joe, he was kind of even saying, like, you know, this is a very broy way of looking at it. He admitted it. There's something appealing about, you know, the end of something, right? I, I completely understand that. But just as a rule change, no, 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 no. It would be very, very bad. Very bad. Um, UFC just announced a fight night in Ireland in August. Although it might seem a far, excuse me, although it might seem far-fetched, how likely is it that Connor will fight on this card when we think of different options? Oh, super unlikely. For example, UFC made the BMF fight a pay-per-view in 202 and 246. Also come to mind, Connor versus Diaz could be an option or a fight against Tony Ferguson if he wins in April. I'm sure Connor will be there. Um, there's a, I, I, Okay, I won't say there's no chance because that's not true. Forced to make a wager, I would bet. I would bet the under. I would bet the under. They want to promote his fights. They want to make sure they have the right opponent. They don't want to waste something. Now you might be like, "Oh well, it's in Ireland. Are you wasting it?" In terms of pay per view, yes. I hate to say it that way. It's just kind of the way it is right now, because um, you know most of your pay per views come from the United States and Canada. Your overwhelming majority. Uh, and so you'd be kind of struggling with that. Although I do kind of, I mean, I remember when the UFC had Maya versus Silva or Silva versus Maya in Abu Dhabi at an afternoon, um, pay-per-view and it did pretty good. You would imagine Connor would do well. I don't know. You know, you get the idea, but the answer is probably not, probably not. Did you hear Kavanaugh's remarks on the Jones fight? We've been over this with the announcement of Lima versus Musasi, What are your early thoughts of that fight? Do you think it will go as? Do you think it will go as when Rory went for the one hundred and eighty-five pound belt, or does Lima have a chance to win here? So I spoke to uh, Gegard this week. I think yesterday, yesterday, and it's on the podcast. It's up there for free again. No one in MMA does a daily podcast. Nobody, nobody, nobody even comes close. So. Please check that out. Anyway, I spoke to him, and I asked him what the difference would be. And he tended to think, um, you know, Rory wanted to take him down and have a fight down there. He tends to think Lima's going to want to do the opposite. He's going to want to stand with him. You know, here's the thing. Uh, we were having a debate on um, morning combat. If you, What would be the two hardest weight classes... Next to each other. So not like you can't skip three and then be a champ-champ one and a champ-champ another. But which two neighboring weight classes would be the hardest to be the champ-champ in? And one of the reasons why I picked 155 and 170 is because to me those are the two most talent-rich and there's a 15-pound jump. Now, I don't think welterweight and middleweight are the two most talent-rich as a combo. But what they also share is a jump in 15 pounds. That jump in 15 pounds is significant. So to me... Um, I think Musasi should win that. I suspect that he will. But Douglas is very physical. He's patient. He's hard to hurt. Um and uh, you know, I think he can make a strong account of himself, but I wonder how Musasi, who's walking around, he told me at two sixteen right now. I wonder how much that size differential will wear on Douglas a little bit, you know, especially if Musasi mixes it up, because Douglas is very good on the ground, but so is Musasi, you know. So I'm interested in seeing it. I think Lima's up against it. But the fact that it's on the feet a little bit, where Lima might have a speed advantage, that could make things interesting. But he's going to have to have a really good game plan. A really good game plan. It's just that that 15-pound jump in weight, man, it just gives Musasi such an advantage. And you're going to be like, oh, well, you know, they're going to be the same weight. Doesn't matter. Who is naturally the bigger guy? Musasi is naturally the bigger guy. But maybe even another weight class, you know. So more than just the 185, I mean now to 205. You know, it's a big jump. What are your thoughts on the Kansas Athletic Commission implementation of real-time scoring? Another way of saying open. Will this help with bad judging, or just will fighters start to coast when they are up two rounds in three in championship fights? So I actually spoke, again, this was free on the podcast. I'm telling you guys, if you don't have it, you're missing out, man. Gems. Gems. I'm giving you guys. Uh, I spoke to Adam Rohrbach, who is the head of the Kansas Athletic Commission, and I asked him why he's doing it. Now, he seems to think that it's a good idea, but he's doing it for two different reasons. One, as an experiment to see what it looks like. Two, if you don't know the rules, the the promoters do not have to use it. They have the choice to use it, and they can use it in such a way where um, if they want everyone to know the scores, they can, or they can have it where just the corners and the fighters know, and the broadcast team and the audience doesn't. There's a couple different ways. where, And they don't have to use it for every fight. They could use it just for the main event. So... There's a little bit of uh, customization that goes into it that you could do. Um, But um, he said, one, to see if it works. I think he's a believer in it, but he wants to see if it works. And I said, two, who does this principally serve? Like, why are we doing this? To help the fighters or to help the audience? And his answer was to help the fighters. They should know where they're at heading into the third round. And that sounds nice in theory. Uh, I guess we'll just have to see it play out. My hunch is that real time or open scoring is probably not the savior that people think it is. It might not be the um, scourge that people that detractors think it is either. I just tend to think in general this is not what is missing from MMA. Could be wrong, but here's what I appreciate from Kansas. You know, I put up a video on Monday. It's like no one knows how to fix MMA judging. And if you notice in the video, I'm like, it's up to UFC. It's up to promoters. It's up to places where you self-regulate. Because it never occurred to me that commissions would even take it upon themselves to experiment in the way that Kansas is. But here we are, they're trying. I really commend that, man. I really commend that. the, The point of them trying open scoring, at least given the option to various promoters, is not that they know for certain that open scoring is your solution. Rather, instead, it is their attempt to figure out what are some ways in which we could serve the fighter, make judging less problematic by... Letting fighters know the score so that they could fight in such a way that makes it clear by the time the fight ends or end it themselves, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, Again, I'm a little bit skeptical that it works in the way that people think it does. But if this enables, or I should rather say, um, this inspires other commissions to try other things, then that's exactly what we need. We need people to make an attempt. We need an attempt. We need people to just experiment. So I say... The more the merrier. I'm really 1,000% in favor of it. Yes, very good. Uh, All right. Which fights excite you most on the Rio Rancho card? It's actually a lot deeper than both pay-per-views so far this year. I wouldn't go that far. My personal favorites are Wood versus Dodson and Sanchez versus Pereira. So let me pull up that card UFC Rio Rancho Wiki. All right. So both De La Rosas are competing on this, which is interesting. Although the dude is opening the card and the other one's on the featured fight in the main card. What interests me? Tim Means fighting interests me. I agree. Dodson versus Nathaniel Wood is a phenomenal fight. I got to tell you, I didn't realize up until a couple of days ago that Jim Miller was fighting on this card against Hot Sauce. Scott Holtzman, that's kind of interesting. Uh, the man with unending cardio, Marab Davalashvili, is on this, which is kind of interesting. I think at women's bantamweight, Macy, I can never pronounce her last name right, Chasen, Ch- 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 a- Son, Ch- a- Son, Uh is kind of interesting. Ray Borg is on this card. Probably the most interesting one for me outside of the uh Dodson Nathaniel Wood is going to be Lando Venata versus Yancey Medeiros. I think it's a really important fight. We'll see how it goes. In general, though, I don't find the card to be all that interesting. I'm not that behind Sanchez versus Pereira, which isn't to say I don't think it'll be fun. But I just worry about the amount of damage Diego Sanchez has taken in his career. I know we're all like, oh, Diego says crazy things. Isn't that fun? Look, man, if the commissions are clearing him, what am I supposed to say? If he can still compete and win, what am I supposed to say? I have a hunch, though, that... um I don't know. I wor- I just, I'll just say this. I worry about the amount of damage she's taken. You know, um, not in the same way that I did about BJ Penn when he was on like a 10-fight losing streak or something, but um, I worry about it. I worry about it. So, uh, Corey Anderson looked really good against Johnny Walker. Jan Blachowicz looked lifeless against Jacare, so we'll see how that goes. It's a fine card for ESPN+, but... Uh, to me, it's I'm not I'm not I'm not bagging on it. It's free if you're well, I'm not free, but you know it's part of your subscription service. So and there's a couple of great fights on there, a couple of great names on there. It's cool. It's just not. I wouldn't call it that deep. Why are media members now exclaiming that round rounds four and five should count more? So by that logic, if Barca went up three, excuse me, went three up before halftime. But Real scored two in the last fifteen minutes. Real the clear winners. Yeah, it's not, it's not a coherent basis by which you can make a rule. Uh, I'll say it again. If a game is tied two to one, or sorry, two to two, and then somebody comes back and scores one, you know, in the last minute, I find that amazing. Or if you can score, you know, two in the last minute to go up and not only tie but then with the go ahead, um, that's I find that to be breathtaking. I'm sure many, many, many of you are just the same. But you cannot change the way that each frame is uh, scored. If you're going to have frames, the frames have to be equal in general. Um, or you have to change the rules by which the frames are... The, if, if, uh, if another frame counts more, the fighting has to be different. All right. Considering the time zones, how do you think living in Europe would have affected your personal introduction and sustained passion for MMA? That's a good question. Um, You know, I don't know. That's an interesting one. Because on the one hand, in order to get to any kind of position in this business, I have definitely, I mean, here's the thing. I always tell people, it's like, you want to work in MMA media, just kiss your Saturday nights goodbye for the rest of the time you want to do it. Which isn't to say that literally every single night, every single Saturday night will be like that. But you will begin to realize that there's going to be a lot of, I mean, a lot of Saturdays. You cannot go out with your friends. You cannot go out on dates. You cannot go to concerts. You cannot just take a night off. You know, you need to get out there and you need to grind. And there'll be points where you're like, shit, man, I'm not sure I really want to do this, you know. And, you know, you're supposed to go, I remember when I was dating a girl, I was like, we're supposed to go to a friend's wedding and there are fights that night and you're kind of on your phone looking at the results and they get bitter at you. And um, So it wasn't like I wasn't willing to sacrifice a lot of different things. I lost a lot of friends, you know, you know, didn't manage uh, you know, romantic relationships as well as I could have as a result of having to pursue this. So, you know, I've given a lot. Uh, my wife is very understanding at this point. You know, That's very, very different. Once you get to a more established place, um, you know, it's easier to justify. But when you're trying to make it, and people are like, "Dude, what are you doing?" I mean, you know, just go get a normal job. And you're like, "I don't want a normal job. I want this job." And then you have to sacrifice all that time. And then people just stop calling you. And blah blah. blah. You know, it just you know, it's a lot to give up. On the other hand, um, what would it have been like if it had been? You know, just a really di- a dick ridiculous different time zone I don't know it's a great question so I felt like in terms of what I had to give up to get here I paid my dues but I recognize that's not the same thing necessarily as just having it on a crazy ass time zone that makes watching it um, and getting access to it very difficult I'd like to think that I still would have been a great fan hard to know hard to know yeah, here's a piece of advice. You want to be in MMA media, you need to just mentally tell yourself Saturday nights are for fighting. They're not for the opposite sex or the same sex, whatever your preference. They're not for romantic nights. They're not for partying. They're not for travel. They're not for taking it off. Your Saturday nights belong to the sport. Again, and occasionally you'll have a Saturday night off. It's fine. But but once you, you have to make that mental switch. Saturday nights are no longer your nights. They are work nights. Period. That is the end of it. Uh, and once you, be, once you mentally make that switch, everything becomes a little bit easier. But the, the question is do the people around you also want to make that switch? And more commonly, they do not. And then they will say goodbye. So it was the shouts to Jesus and Mero. Sure. How do NFL teams get away with moving locations from fans? It ain't just NFL teams. If that happened to a major football, a.k.a. soccer team in Europe, there would be major uproar and people would not attend or support. A good example of this was Wimbledon FC uh, London becoming MK Dons, Milton Keynes. 17 years later, MK Dons are still hated to this day and they cannot even fill half of their stadium without away fans. Yeah, it's a little bit different here. Um, first of all, it's not just football teams, American football teams. Remember, the LA Dodgers used to be the Brooklyn Dodgers, and then they moved, right, from Brooklyn to LA. Obviously, LA Rams, which is a football team, used to be the St. Louis Rams, and, you know, that kind of a thing. But um, um, how do I explain that? Well, I would say that ultimately, while American football is by far our most popular sport, I don't think it commands the same kind of cultural roots um, and grip over the people that I think soccer does to a lot of people in Europe, especially the UK. I don't think it is exactly the same. I mean, I don't want to say that there's not people who are like diehard, passionate football fans the same way on both sides of the Atlantic. For sure that there are. Um, But I think Americans are just more accustomed. I mean, it's been happening for a long time where sometimes teams just up and leave uh or they get rebranded to be part of a city but then part of something bigger um it's just what they're you know that's just kind of what they're used to a little bit uh it's not that it's not painful or that people don't hold you know grudges you ask people in st louis how they feel about the la rams you're not going to hear nice things um but you're right it's not exactly the same as it is over there where you know can you imagine you know liverpool moving to i don't know Brighton or I mean you know obviously those are not equivalent cities but I'm just saying like you'd be like what what are you doing um it's a it's, a, it's just unfathomable whereas here you know America's a, a huge country where fortunes change for franchises a lot of these owners are looking to make not quick bucks exactly but they're always looking for the most lucrative deal imaginable where if this other place wants to give us a stadium and we can rebrand the franchise by going over there, and, yeah, we'll get bad press in this You know, middle. I understand the difference in markets between St. Louis and L.A. L.A. is a huge market. St. Louis is a big market, but it's not It's not close to L.A. in terms of both the geographic location and then the scope of things. And so you're just like, fuck it, I'll just take the L in St. Louis and take the W in, in uh, L.A. Um, but I think also it's just a part of people have a little bit a little bit more I don't want to overly generalize. I don't want to be unfair to Americans, but I'll say this. I think a lot of sports fans have a little bit more of a transactional relationship to their sporting franchises than um, other places. The one thing, though, that Europeans don't quite appreciate, they don't quite understand about it, is one, what I just said, it was like Americans might have a little bit more of a transactional relationship with their teams but two, you have to remember, America supports more sports than any country I've ever been to. And that sounds kind of crazy to people that have big sporting communities where they're from. You know, like rugby's huge, obviously, in the UK, and cricket, and um, obviously soccer or football, and other ones as well. But you have to understand something here, man. It's, I, I have traveled all over the world. There is no country in the world that is as sporting-crazy as the United States. Um, they don't have the same craze for any one particular sport in the way that other places do. But in general, I mean, many of the top world leagues are here. Obviously, NFL, no one has it anywhere else. But um, the best hockey players are here. The best basketball players are here. Baseball is not entirely worldwide, but it is. It extends into South America and in parts of Asia. The best players are all here. The, we have an entire Division One amateur system. Should be professional, but it's amateur. We have an entire division two amateur system, a division three amateur system. Uh, more women play sports here than any other um, country in the world. Um, it's you know like why, why are women so good? In, like, like look at our medal count in the Olympics, and then look at our you know our women's na- uh, national team in soccer. Um, do I think that Americans are just better athletes than the rest of the world? Not really. They have a lot more money in terms of their programs, uh, and obviously they got a lot of millions of people to draw from, but. You know we encourage young women to play here much more um, like for example like in Columbia like they don't take their like their men's soccer game team is like they're all angels their women's soccer team are, they, do, do you know where all of them play they play at University of Maryland University of Virginia University of Delaware they all come here to play because this is where you get your opportunities so uh, you know you can turn on ESPN here and it's like wow it's division two college women's uh softball world series and then we have obviously formula one is bigger overseas but nascar is big here i mean you just cannot imagine the amount of sporting ecosystem here that uh, americans in general love sports they don't love a particular sport in the same way that europeans um, or south americans or other places of the world might so it's a little bit of a give and take there How much would Stipe's stock drop if DC finishes him and then rides off into the sunset? How much, stock, how much would Stipe's stock drop if DC finishes him? Um, it'd be bad, but the fact that he got his revenge, he'll always have that. Which is probably why he doesn't want a third fight, because if he can win and then move on to something else on this kind of a high note, it'll change things. Because right now, who is he? Right now, he's the most successful UFC heavyweight ever. If he loses to DC, that comes into question somewhat. Now, you may not agree, oh, I still think he'd be the best. Okay, all right, I'm not arguing with you. But it, it's at least debatable at that point if you lose twice to the same guy. Um, but I still think he would be a really, really important figure. It's not like he'd go to be like some fraud all of a sudden. Like, Dude, Stipe has kind of done it a little bit. So it would not be great, obviously. Uh, And it would call into question whether he's one or two. But the fact that he held that number one spot as both champion and the sort of like assumed title of best uh, UFC heavyweight ever is big, dude. It's really big. I don't know how much the loss would hurt him. Um, Does he get finished in the first round? Does he get finished in the fifth? Kind of also determines things there a little bit. So we'll have to see. Uh, And if Stipe goes back and wins the title again, you know, it... Time has a way of kind of healing the wounds of things a little bit, even for bad losses. Um, but really, again, we're talking about whether he's number one or number two all time as a UFC heavyweight. At this point, he kind of is who he is. It's kind of baked in. Obviously, one is a lot better than two, but it's no worse than two. And that's important. You know, he's has done good work for himself, man. He should be very proud of himself. Can you please do a dissected on the Schmo versus Helwani? Is this still a thing? Alternatively, the pay-per-view grudge match that everyone was wanting to see, Luke Salacious Thomas uh, versus Ariel Nose Helwani. Um, Are are Schmo and Helwani going back and forth? I thought that thing kind of died off. I I don't know. Let me say something about the word salacious. And again, this goes back to the Twitter losers who I I make feel bad about themselves. Um, I don't know how y'all are. Here's how I am. If I'm reading something, and I encounter a word I don't know, I don't feel bad about myself, but I, like, it's like a it's like scratching an itch. I take it upon myself to immediately look up that word. And if I'm reading on an iPad, I'll highlight it. And so um, on my Kindle too. And what if I do is on your Kindle, if you guys don't know this, if you highlight words you don't know, it will save them for you, and then you can do word puzzles about words you didn't know. Um, either later on or in between readings or whatever. You can go and they, they, they save all the words you don't know and they'll they'll go back through it with you and, you know, play different um, uh, memorization games about the definitions. It's like I've never... And I understand something. I've said it before, dude. I have encountered MMA fans in person. They're great. You guys who watched the chat, I couldn't say a bad thing about, man. I love doing this. I brought it back. I love doing this chat. I appreciate every single one of you so much. Uh, and the majority of the people I interact with online seem to be fine. There's this weird group of people that think that I use words to like... like I Understand, when I use the word salacious, it doesn't even occur to me that that's a thing you can show off to do. That's just a word that I use because it's the the most helpful definition I can think of. People who treat that kind of thing... Like, oh, you're just showing off because you got big words. You're telling on yourself, man. You're telling on yourself that you feel inferior because, A, you don't know it. And you don't know what to make of people who do. I don't ever run to a thesaurus. I don't, I'm not, it's not a bit that I'm doing. This is how I talk in normal day life. This is how all of, I talk with all my friends. It's never, ever brought up as any kind of an issue Except by a little local, but little subset of Twitter losers, who I make feel bad about themselves. These are the only. These are the only ones. These are the only ones. And I'm sorry that that's the way that they feel. But I don't know what to tell them. I don't know what to tell them. I don't. I read other people's work, and I I actually get excited when I see words. I don't know. I'm like sweet. I get to expand my vocabulary. I get to learn a new expression of a of an idea. That never, I didn't know before. This is great. This is an opportunity to learn. That's not how they see it. And that should tell you everything you want to know about those kinds of people. Right? What are you 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 wearing for? Because it's a great and interesting word to use. It's actually the most helpful word to use in this particular case. Or at least there's nothing really scandalous about it. Um, People tell on themselves a lot and they don't realize it. You should, you should, you should every time you read something, provided those people even read anything beyond comic books, every time you read something and you see a word you don't know, circle it, make a note about it, put it together, and go back over it. And over time, it will give you a command of the language that you don't think possible. People think that you should talk simply, and you should. Simpler is better. What they don't seem to realize is words like salacious are a. Uh, obviously depending on how it's used, but any kind of word really, it can be a simplifying force for language because in that word is packed into a much bigger meaning. Or salacious, abstemious, superfluous, any kind of word you want to use. It has a certain amount of meaning packed into it. So that actually uh, is a word. Here's another one for you, parsimonious. Parsimonious means an economy of language. Now so sometimes I can be wordy. It's, it's a fault that I have. But in general... The reason people think you want to use big words to show off it's actually the opposite. You're using big words, such as you can call them that, to simplify the language, to actually make it shorter, because those words have big meaning packed into S-A-L-A-C-I-O-U-S, nine letters. In nine letters, you have this big meaning. That's the idea, right? So don't let social media... Clowns and losers around you drag you down by saying, why are you trying to show off? I'm not, dude. I don't think that that's showing off. (laughs) Using the word salacious, there's nothing showing off about it. Nothing. But if you interpret it that way, that says a lot about you. says a lot about you. Um, I know you like these, my man. True or false? Korean zombie fights for the featherweight belt next. Well, it seems like he's not gonna. (laughs) I think he should. But so I'll say false. John Jones loses in 2020. Now that is a tough one. Who That's a tough one I'll say true, but I that's a hard one. GSB fights in the UFC again. I'll say false. Uh, Nick Diaz will, uh, fights in UFC again. I'll say false. There will be a marketable flyweight fighter within the next five years. I will say true. Um, women's atom weight will happen in the UFC. You mean like eventually? That's probably true. UFC doesn't put Stephen A. Smith next to Joe Rogan again. (laughs) Um... I'll say false. There will be an episode of Morning Combat without male genitalia being discussed. That's up to Brian Campbell. <laughs> so, so probably false. Uh, Luke Thomas enjoys listening to Mashuga. I like him. I like him. I, I'm not one of my favorites, but I don't, I don't hate on him. And there's a few tracks I got that are great. Hey, Luke. Uh, John Jones has been with Greg Jackson since his UFC debut. Do you think a change in camps could do him some good? No, not really. I think he's at the point now where they know him and he knows them. His game has kind of like, he's kind of gone like this and then kind of leveled off. And that level's still very high. As I've talked about, I do think his offense has deteriorated somewhat. Uh, but his defense is just so good. It's ridiculously good. And that's going to keep him in the ball game with a lot of different fighters, man. He's hard to hit in the face. He's hard to hit in the head. Uh, you can hit him in the body, but he takes it and he wells it where or he he wears it well, excuse me. And um, you know, he's got great defense. He's got defense he can kind of slip, he can kind of roll, he can lean, he moves his feet, um, he blocks, he parries, like he he's got just lights out defense. And I think more than anything, that's gonna keep him in a great space against a lot of different fighters who Everyone focuses on their offense and their offense, and I think you should if he fights Adesanya. But then there's going to be questions about Adesanya's defense. I think in the wrestling department as it relates to John. So, somebody who can solve his defensive puzzles is going to be the person that I think beats him. Either maybe by by, by like a Francis and blunt force power, you know, or somebody like a uh, like an Adesanya who's got big good good power, but like really slick ways to find openings like that's going to be the key. But if you can't do either of those effectively, I don't know what chance you really have unless he really falls off a cliff in the coming years athletically. But right now I don't think he's the athlete he once was like when you beat Shogun, but he's still pretty, pretty good. And the defense is that's, that's your key to beating John Jones. It's like, Oh, what about, you got to have good wrestling. You got to have blah, blah, blah. You got to have, you got to find the gaps in his offense. Uh, Sorry, the gaps in his defense. And that is very, very difficult to do. Who do you want to see Ryan Hall fight next? Oh, wait, I missed one. I'll come back to it. Uh, Who do you want to see Ryan Hall fight next? Some people didn't like his last fight, but I personally felt he was showing what he could do on his feet, given uh, his obvious threat on the ground. Also, what are your thoughts on the reporter who asked Reyes a question in Spanish? I didn't see that one. I guess he doesn't speak Spanish, and then they were kind of like trying to force him to do it. I don't know if you know, a reporter addressed him in English and asked him a question in, in Spanish. Dom asked for a translator. She says, can you try a couple times? Reyes then skips the question. Well, that, reporter's a, is a, that reporter fucked up. Uh, Thanks for all the work you do. You're my favorite reporter in MMA. I'm not a reporter, but I appreciate that. And your voice is browned butter, baby. Okay, uh, who do you want to see Ryan Hall fight next? Um, God, anybody at this point. Who are the various contenders around him? Let's see. I'm gross. I need to shower. Uh, Let's see. Ryan Hall is sitting at 13. So in front of him is Shane Burgos. That'd be a fun fight. Then you got Aldo at 11 at featherweight, but of course he's not really a featherweight right now. Calvin Cater at 10 you could do. Arnold Allen's at 14, but he is a... uh, but he is a uh, teammate. Now, the other one you could do that's kind of interesting is Sadiq Yusuf. Because Sadiq trains with Lloyd Irvin, Ryan used to, and they had something of an acrimonious split. So that'd be kind of interesting. Um so somewhere around there, Cater, Burgos, or Yusuf would be great choices at this point. Uh let's see what else. I skipped one. Uh about a decade or so there was a big issue of fighters and their likeness rights being signed away. In order to appear in the first UFC video game, at the forefront of the issue were several fighters and management figures around um, a.k.a. American Kickboxing Academy. This included but was not limited to Kane Velazquez. Dana White argues something to the point of when will these guys ever be in another video game outside of the UFC. Fast forward a decade and Kane Velazquez is a rising star in the WWE, an organization with a very successful video game franchise. Do you know if this will cause any conflict or even possibly keep Kane from appearing in any WWE video games in the future? I do not know. It's a great question. If nothing more, it goes to show how short-sighted some of the UFC strong-arm tactics can be. Yeah, did you guys see the report in the New York Post last night? I'm going to have the reporter on for my show. The UFC is going to pay a $300 million dividend to uh, various investors, which is not like a 10% dividend payout it's like a 90 percent dividend payout Uh, and 150 million is going if I recall the story correctly back to the owners I need to get that part right but check out a hey not the faces timeline as well as mine we retweeted it I'm gonna have the reporter on Um, it's like they apparently had in 2019 uh, in $900 million in revenue, they paid about $150 million in fighter pay. This is why these claims like Conor made $80 million or $50 million for a fight. It's just nonsense. But in any case, um, they paid $150 million in fighter compensation. Just in terms of this one uh, dividend going back to the investors, half of it is going to go back uh, <laughs> to the owners. Let me make sure I get that right before I give you guys fake news. Fake news. Um, let's see. Where is that? Here it is. Here we go. Ready? (sighs) These fucking people. Yeah, thank you. Ultimate Fighting Championship is draining its cash reserves to fund big payouts to celebrity investors, even as its fighters gripe they are vastly underpaid, the New York Post has learned. The mixed martial arts giant has approved a massive $300 million dividend to UFC's investors, a star-studded list that includes Mark Wahlberg, Charlie Theron, Giselle Bündchen, Ben Affleck, and tennis stars Serena and Venus Williams. Roughly half of the $300 million will go to Endeavor, the entertainment holding company run by Hollywood super agent Ari Emanuel, which bought a 50% stake in the UFC, um, obviously, in 2016. Blah, 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 blah. Wahlberg uh, is slated to nab roughly half a million dollar dividend, well, Brazilian model uh, Brazil Bunchen, uh, Giselle Bundchen is going to get one hundred and fifty-four thousand, excuse me, one hundred forty-five thousand. Other beneficiaries include UFC president Dana White. He's going to make some money. Endeavor CEO Emmanuel and uh, Patrick Whitesell and uh, the ex-husband of Jeff Bezos gal pal Lawrence Sanchez. They're all slated to pocket more than three million dollars each. And these UFC fighters, dude. you 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 know we can this this has been proof it's like mma media won't talk about it and then mma media talks about it ad nauseum like they won't stop talking about it and it did nothing to change it which is to say the media can't win this battle for you all we can do is raise awareness and that's not nothing but in the end it's not enough they just don't want to do anything about it dude they don't want to do anything about it i don't know what to tell you it's unbelievable Uh, can you please interview the judges or someone from the Texas State Athletic Commission? So we reached out to them. We tried. They don't want to make anybody available. Uh, If you ask me if I could wave a magic wand and have some kind of uh, aspect of MMA change, one of those aspects might actually be that there needs to be some kind of agreement for transparency between each athletic commission and the media. Somebody, Somebody needs to bridge that divide because... They should talk to us, and they won't, and they don't have to. So they don't—they—they they, won't—they don't feel the need to, and it drives me absolutely up the wall. Can't make them do it. We reached out. Can't make them do it. Can't make them do it. Drives me nuts. Drives me absolutely up the wall. But I don't know what to do about it, man. I just don't know what to do about it. Um. Okay. All right. Let's get to, I think I turned back on, yeah, I did, chat rev. So let's get, um, there we go. Let's get to some of your paid questions. How long would it take for you to assert your dominance and humiliate Brian in a grappling match? Five seconds. Ten ten if he's struggling. Uh, Luke, try bleed by Masuga. Thank me later. All right, I will do that. What are the chances UFC's... Actually, you know what? Oh, you know what? I would play it here. I don't want the video to get taken down. What are the chances UFC opens a women's Atomweight division in 2020? Very low in 2020 21. 2021. Uh, not right now. Not going to happen. Remember, to, to do... Uh, I've talked to matchmakers. What, what does it take to build a division? They said at least 20 fighters. They don't want to sign 20 Atomweights. Trust me. What's next for the winner of Felder versus Hooker? somebody one of the big boys I don't think a Conor fight but I couldn't rule it out and then you've got Diaz kind of floating out there you've got Gaethje kind of floating out there you've got Poirier kind of floating out there maybe the loser of Khabib Tony floating out there depending on how things go some one of the big boys someone's gonna win a big prize there so we'll see that should be really fun and then someone asks, "What do you think about the nypost.com article saying UFC celeb investors getting three hundred million in dividends this year?" I think it's scandalous, to be quite honest with you. But um, you know, UFC fighters just don't care. They can say they do, they don't. They absolutely don't care. They don't care at all. So, who is the scarier boogeyman of the middleweight division, Yoel Romero or TRT Vitor, and why? Mm-hmm. Yoel Romero. Also, how does TRT Vitor fare in today's middleweight division? He'd beat some fighters, of course. Um, But Yoel Romero is, uh, you know, TRT Vitor was fearsome for sure. But I just think Yoel Romero, I think, is a harder hitter. He doesn't have as many tricks, but he's got a lot more rhythm changes, you know. Um, He's obviously a much better wrestler. So, you know, it just sort of goes to show you what you'd have to do to compete with Joel Romero. And the fact that it's even debatable kind of also tells you, like, where they're at. You know, in terms of the natural ability of Yoel Romero. Why'd they give Gregor an Islam fight? What about Lee? Well, Lee already has the fight with um, Oliveira. And Gregor versus Islam is a great test for both guys. I actually love that, because you've got Islam who can wrestle really well, but has a little bit of a different style and can do other things. Gregor, who's a little bit more one-note, but is a much better pure wrestler. So that's an interesting fight. I actually really like that fight. How are these donks in media getting away with reporting whatever the hell they want with no factual evidence? Example, Diaz Miami assault article. Dude, who, f- who fucked up that one? That is an unbelievable error. <laughs> Where it was some guy who looked like he was in the Ruttles you know, uh, an outcast of uh, early era, the, you know, Ramones, and just happened to have the word Nate in his name, no Diaz. And they turn it into Nate Diaz was involved in assaulting police officers. Oh my fucking God, dude. Who is the. I, I, I worked in a newsroom for like 10 years. Now I've seen bad articles go up that caused problems, but it was usually because of like editorializing or. You know, what the article was trying to suggest was true. Not about, like, we didn't even get a guy's identity correct. That is, like, a very bad, shameful... That that is, I mean, that's a fireball offense. I'm imagining either one or several people lost their job for that. Uh, That is shocking. That is shockingly bad. I've seen some bad ones, man. That is up there with one of the worst. Not in terms of its impact, because it was quickly addressed, but in terms of like in terms of the chain of custody from the person who wrote it to the editor to eventually getting published how many people had to fuck that up wow man wow that is it's almost like impressively shitty that they were able to do it that way so amazing so says, thanks for the amazing content thank you joseph i appreciate that Someone says, uh Pauly, uh, how did you woo your wife, sir? Did you have good game during the single days? Happy to sit under the learning tree. Well, it might come as a surprise to you, donks. And I'm sure it will because y'all love to joan and insult me, and it's fine. It's part of the part of the deal. Uh, your boy can do a little bit of salsa dancing. Got a little bit of the old uh, rug cutting ability. And obviously my wife's from Columbia. And uh, I had briefly worked with her years and years and years and years ago, and uh, we ended up in um, on a business trip together. Showed her some of the old moves, literally, quite literally, some of the salsa dancing, and that was all she wrote, my guy. <laughs> I'm telling you, bro, you don't need a whole lot, man. The trick is you got to be able to play the levels a little bit, right? You've Got to be a little bit good at conversation. You got to be a little bit good at joke telling. A little bit good as a listener. A little bit good as a uh, you know. Um, as a physical mover of some kind right like either an athlete or you can dance a little bit or something some kind of thing and uh you gotta know a little little bit about food a little bit about drink a little bit about travel just a little bit man just be like you know just know a little bit and for me it was the i could do a little bit of salsa dancing so and i know what you folks are gonna say that ain't true sure is do you have any recommendations on prenatal vitamins or any advice for a man or woman's health-wise before having a baby? First of all, get sleep now. Second of all, um, God, what was the prenatal vitamins my wife took? I mean, the ones they, they give you at CVS or Walgreens are probably fine. Um, I forget the name. Just ask your uh, ask your physician to recommend some and just take them. They actually have a really good benefit for your wife. For men... Uh, you know, work on your health. Make sure you're in good shape. You know, uh, get as much sleep as you can. Try to have a balanced diet. Try to live normal. And then just do what you can. You know, try to do what you can. Congrats, Luke. Can't wait for the podcast on JRE. Yeah, it should be fun. It should be fun. Someone says, Great news about Joe's podcast. Everything is not shit. <laughs> the earth is not a cold, dead place. Yeah, sometimes. But yes, you know. We'll see what happens, man. Should be fun. Should be fun. Regarding the McGregor Red Panty Night, what financial incentives outside of just extra exposure are there when current contracts are still in play? Nothing. Now, maybe you get uh, additional outside sponsors. Certainly, get a lot of attention. Obviously, if it's for if McGregor has a title and then you take that, then your next fight is for additional amounts of uh, money. Um, maybe you have it in your contract that if you're in a title fight, you get a higher base salary. There could be things like that, but those aren't tied in particular to, uh, fighting McGregor. So the answer is really just the exposure. And then there could be a couple of small changes, but the answer is not much. Daddy fat sack says stick to discussing MMA. Don't need to hear political opinions from an MMA analyst, especially from somebody as obviously biased as yourself. Yes, God forbid you hear from people you don't normally agree with. Uh, Chris says, congrats on the growth, Luke. No doubt you've earned everything that's on its way. Yeah, we'll see what's on its way first. Um, can you cut, have you seen this shit from the MMK podcast? You mean like the audio part? I didn't know if it goes on the audio part. Because people love it on the video side. But I'll talk to them if it's on the, on the audio side. Someone says, don't listen to Bryce. Have you seen this shit as fire? <laughs> Duly noted, boys. Where does Dominic Cruz rank among the goats? Um, That's a good question. One of the best Bantamweights ever, if not the best. One of the best. Um, God, but the thing has been, his career has been so interrupted, you know? He's my favorite commentator by a mile. Everyone's going to have their favorites. I'm not telling you you have to like them like I do, but for me, I don't learn a whole lot when I hear most of the other ones commentate. When DC commentates, I learn. When Dan Hardy commentates, I learn. When Dominic Cruz commentates, I'm out there taking notes. Uh, most of the other ones, I don't necessarily get a whole lot out of. You might. You know, you might. Uh, and I'm talking about the former fighters turned commentators. Um, Where does he rank among the goats? You know, among your GSPs and your Silvas, I don't think that's part of the conversation that Dominic Cruz has been in, which isn't to say he couldn't have gone on there if he hadn't had his career so interrupted. But he had his career so interrupted, man. I really feel bad for him because he's so talented, so smart, so hardworking, so smart, so thoughtful. But he had so many issues interrupt what he was really capable of doing, and I think that really has to hold him back. Um, So he is, I think he stands out as an all-time weight class competitor. But as the ones who transcend weight class, I don't think he's in that conversation. Maybe he could have been, but the injuries really hurt him. And he also has that loss to to, to Garbrand as well. Um, does Does Michelle Pereira's antics, do they irk you or they entertain you? He's different than everyone else, so it gets to watch it. Here's my rule on that, which is what I said before. Everyone's like, I'm so mad at him. Why are you so mad at him? Oh, he he gassed out. He's you know He should have saved that energy. Look, man. If he wants to fight that way, then he gets to reap the rewards or he has to pay the costs of it. And so to me, it's like, do I like that he's flipping? It's different. I don't love it as some people love it. I don't hate it as some people hate it. My whole rule is, look, man, if you can win that way, great. If not, you're going to get fucked up. And I don't have to pay that cost. You don't have to pay that cost. He has to pay that cost. So let him pay for it. You know? Um, It doesn't... I don't get like I I don't get like I don't get like crazy about it as some people do. I tend to think that karma one way or the other is gonna work its way out. Either it with the wind at his back or in his face. Luke, congrats on the news about JRE. Well deserved, just message you to thank you for all the great content. Thank you, Wesley. <laughs> Try not to yell and interrupt Joe and stop interrupting Brian. Y'all know that's a bit we're doing, right? Like it's not like that's 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 all just for fun. I hope everyone. People always like, they message me like, why don't you like Brian? It's like, dude, I love Brian. Brian was literally handpicked to be on the show. That thing we do at the beginning is just for fun. It's not serious. I hope everybody understands that. Because by the way, when we start our five points, I throw to him first and I just let him go. Uh, Used to hate you. Love you now. Deserve the million subscribers. Easy. Very happy for you. Thank you very much. I very much appreciate that. Very, very kind. And by the way, $50 donation, unbelievable. Um... Someone named Fedor Toots left 100 bucks, which is way too much money, but thank you. Do you plan on bringing up specific topics on JRE like PEDs, weight cutting, unions, judging rules, or rather just having a free-flowing conversation? I'd like to hit a few of those big points, particularly PEDs um, and uh, unions. Um, but, you know, it's Joe's show. It's Joe's show. So he gets to do what he wants. Have you seen The Lighthouse? I have not. I've heard nothing but great things about it. I've been meaning to see it, man. I'm dying to see it. I'm going to watch, I think, Knives Out this weekend. The Ryan Johnson movie. (laughs) Luke explains how words work to adults. Well, you would think I wouldn't have to, but... Happy Friday. Just for fun, my Washington, D.C. King of Cool, Mount Rushmore, Chappelle... Henry Rollins, Dave Grohl, and me. What's your DC Mount Rushmore? Oh, that's a good one. Um, Chappelle, you only have four, right? Chappelle, Rollins. See, Dave Grohl was really Springfield. Whereas, Henry Rollins was DC. Chappelle was DC. I'm not hating on Dave Grohl, but uh. So, I'm going to add in Chuck, um, Chuck Brown. And then, I'm going to add in... Ooh, that's a tough one after that. Um, like a DC Luminary. How about Mark Two Sharp Johnson? How about that? One of the best boxers ever from the city. Something like that. Something like that. I don't think I rate, to be perfectly honest. Would be nice to be in the honorable mentions. You know, I rep DC pretty hard, but we'll see. But I, I can't compare to those those gentlemen. Certainly not Chuck Brown. What's Stylebender's chances on finishing Romero? I think a lot better than people realize. Romero's is just as tough as shoe leather, but if anyone is... Like, here's the thing. Go back and watch Adesanya's acceptance speech for this award. Now, there's a greater context to this award, which is... I had some Kiwi folks write me being like, you know, that's only ever given to sailors, and it's only ever given to all blacks, or, uh, you know... uh, um, you know rugby players or something uh, well the rugby players are all blacks but you know uh, traditional sporting icons that kind of a thing and then like combat sports still has a bit of an uneasy reputation in the country even though there's a little of this you know uh, greater com- combative warrior culture that's a part of things and uh, by the way someone's asking about Mary and Barry can't put Mary and Barry on the Mount Rushmore and I know a lot of folks would be like that's blasphemy He fucked DC up. I don't care what anybody (laughs) said. I lived here when he was mayor. He was a terrible mayor. So, you know, he did things for underprivileged communities in ways a lot of other mayors haven't. He also just couldn't run a basic municipal uh, territory, effectively. So, you should have tried going to the DMV when Marion Barry was mayor. You couldn't believe how fucked up it was. But okay. Um... Um, the speech that Adesanya gave. So there's this greater context to the award that he won and how novel it is that he won it. I want you to go and listen to it, and I want you to pay attention to something. Here is something I have picked up on on Israel Adesanya that I don't think a lot of folks realize. He is he's not hyper vigilant, in the sense of he's paying attention to what everyone is saying in a very like peeping tom kind of way, but he's hyper aware. He is clued into what matters in his life. He is clued into who he is. he understands himself. he is clued into his place in history he is clued into his community he is clued into his place in um what what he, he is clued into his future and he is clued into um how he'll be replaced he has this real hyper awareness of himself everything around him and the relationship therein and that speech even though he's accepting some award it reveals all of this in this dramatic way go listen to it so what i mean by that is in terms of a combat athlete he is clued in to um Every like he picked Yoel, not just because it would be a good thing on his resume to have, although that's a big part of it. He I bet you understands how to beat Yoel like nobody has before. Now that doesn't mean he'll do it, because it's Joel's a you know, a nightmare. But if anyone's up for that challenge, it's him, dude. He understands things very, very, very clearly, carefully, and in very granular detail. Are you going to be announcing at Cagezilla 60? No, I haven't announced for them in a long time. They basically, I mean, they gave me the job, but I couldn't do it because they were they were always doing it on not always. There was a lot of overlap between nights where I had to just work. So I just can't really do it anymore. Plus Ash, Ashburn is a far drive from DC. What's your take on the discussion of having live scoring during fights again? That's sort of been over that. I think if a fighter knows he's down 2-0, we'd get a better push for a KO. We'll see if that's true. Again, there's a lot of theories about what might happen if we make this rule change or we make that rule change. The only way to know is to experiment. It's the only way to know. It's the only way to be sure. It's the only way to really get accurate information, data that you can collect, interpret, and then make a meaningful and informed choice about. That's it, that's the only way. All right, well I gotta go. Thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Give this video a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, Tell your friends about it. And uh, I don't think I'll do something for Rio Rancho tomorrow night. I may do something on Sunday. We'll see how that all goes. I have to get a haircut on Sunday. i got to get my MacBook Pro fixed on Sunday. It's all messed up. And, uh, yeah, i got to do a bunch of stuff. So be on the lookout for that. But uh, that's what's next, okay? All right. I really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. And until next time, stay fresh.